encountering the texture of the text of God's Word, text and context. All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Andrew. Thanks, Micah. <laughs> you're a great student. I know, you're a great student. Were you this great of a student at Abilene or not? Ooh, ooh. I talk too much. <laughs> Even as a grad student, you still talked in class? Well, it's like a, hard to like a talk kindergarten? too much as a grad student. Oh, that, yeah. A lot smaller classes. Mm-hmm. I was definitely still one of the problems. Of course you are. Of course you are. Let's get together this week. I'm sorry about last week. It just completely slipped my mind. It's good. I needed the day anyway. It's a little, yeah, that's what you said. So. What the enemy intended for evil, it worked out. But we'll, uh, let's get together. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come to you. Well, you don't have to drive. Um, oh, are you coming? Are you coming this afternoon? Yeah. Okay. So Hannah's making a pot roast for lunch, which I know you're vegetarian, so I don't do you. But I would love for you to come over and eat with me. Uh, I make a mean breakfast. Bacon cheese. I can come up with something for you, or you can bring something. So you, but you're invited to come eat right after church. All right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you can have the. Potatoes and carrots. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> morning, Linda. Good morning. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Got started a tad late. Alex, he's not even in here. Ha ha. Oh, good. Good. He went to ring ring him in. He always teases me for not starting. I was doing something important and started as promptly as possible. So, all right, well, we are talking about new heavens, new earth, a very important topic, a topic that I love very much. Uh, we're going to try to actually make it through some more scriptures this Sunday. Um, Alan Gone is not here, so at least not yet. So fingers crossed that either he doesn't come or he comes late and doesn't say anything. No, I'm just kidding. So, Dan, Dan, because uh, he always takes us down rabbit holes. But I don't know. I just saw a look in Randy's eye that I think he might be able to take us down some rabbit holes of his own if he needs to. So, yeah, yeah. Andrea. Yeah, what's up? Um, what is the Wi-Fi password for here? Oh, for the gathering? Yeah. Yes, for the public. Do you know? Uh, John 316. Let me look. I've I got, got, I got okay. always ask me for a Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. It doesn't get good reception. Yeah. There, I, I should, like, know that stuff. It's Ministry like, in the 21st century. Yeah. Used to be asked pastors, like, help me with my failing marriage. Now it's, what's the Wi-Fi password? So I can yeah. Google how to, how to help me with my failing marriage. Yeah. Ask Dr. Google. He probably knows better. Oh, the tech guy's got it. Thank you. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, we talked about Revelation 21 last week, which is like the... So we're kind of working our way backwards in the canon. So rather than going forwards, we're going backwards. Start with Revelation. Move to Second Peter 3. We went there and talked about... Um, Second Peter three and uh, the uh, the earth will be. Uh, oh, Randy, check this out. Sorry, it just popped up on my phone. And said Wi-Fi password. Do you want to share it with Randy? <laughs> hey, look here, it's working. Look at this world we live in. That's insane. Huh? No, it just like pops up. Like, oh, do I want to share it with Andrea? Are you connected? Are you doing this on purpose? Are you messing with me? trying to teach people what's wrong with you I, did you get it i will share it if i need to andrea yeah did you get it no it's not oh here oh. boom technology these days look at you have a baby oh. 
grandparents babysitting this weekend. Okay. All right. Romans 8 is where we're going to be this morning. Romans 8. Or it's where we're going to start. Lord willing, we're going to come back. No, have you been here the past two Sundays? I was here. I missed last week because I lost my glasses. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about new heavens, new earth still. Okay. So yeah, we're still in Mark, hypothetically. We'll come back to it. But I wanted to take a, a detour for a momento. Talk about new heavens, new earth. So, all right, before we hop into the text, anything else? Okay, I'm going to pray and then we'll hop into the text. Father in heaven, as we open our Bibles, open also our heart, our head, and our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Romans 8, uh, Romans 8, oh my word. Have you read Romans 8 before? You should, because it's a beautiful chapter. Uh, I, it, it is, when I need a shot in the arm, spiritually and theologically, I go back to Romans 8. If it's not Mark, it's Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8 is, is a chapter, and it talks about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit so much. And a lot of good stuff there. And this might seem like a weird place to go for talk about new heavens, new earth. But uh, there's some stuff there that is really helpful for this discussion. So we can't read the whole thing. Uh, we could, but we're not going to because that would really take us down some fun, lovely rabbit holes. Uh, so I'm going to start in verse 18. No, I'm going to start in verse 18. My Bible has a heading over verse 18. Does yours have a heading over? Present suffering of future glory. Present suffering of future glory. Future glory sounds like resurrection life to me, right? That's a good phrase. What's your say? It's future glory. It's just Mine just says future glory. Yeah, future glory. Are you also in the NRSV today? Yeah, you have NRSV? Yeah. My man. Yeah, NRSV. Yeah, future glory is what it says for me over verse 18. Um, and I, I think that's a, a good way to summarize part of what I'm getting at here. So let's read. I'm going to read 18 through 21. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us, to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So the, the creation longs to be set free from its bondage. Question, does it say this, the creation longs to be set free so that it can become immaterial, so we can float off as fat angel cherub babies to the ether sphere? No, it doesn't say that. The creation longs to be set free from its bondage to decay. It, and it seems to imply that there will then one be a day when creation will no longer have that principle of decay but is that like the third law of thermodynamics or something i don't uh, david second okay you're the engineer i didn't know you probably knew okay uh the the decay will no longer be a factor so there's a, a day coming it seems it implies from this text that there's a day coming when creation will still be but will not be subjected to decay and it longs for that wouldn't you long for that don't you currently long for a day when you're no longer subject to decay that would be your resurrected embodied existence that you long for. That's what you were made for, really. So Again, and animals also not I think so. I think so. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. We always talk about animals and people often say animals don't have a soul. How outrageous. Uh, they're not rational like we are. 
clearly, but they they have the breath of life. So if you, oh oh yeah oh yeah, uh, there are some humans that I'm I'm sure monkeys are smarter than them, no doubt in my mind. I've met I I've been to college, right? I know, I've met freshmen. Um, though the, some of them, some of them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what was I gonna say? David, dang it. <laughs> Plants and animals, animals. Uh, in Genesis, something that drives me nuts is some Bible translations will, once it gets to animals and it talks about the breath of life, it says breath of life. And when it talks about humans, it says soul. But in Hebrew, it's the same word. They're both given the breath. Okay. And that drives me nuts because what does that say? They're bringing their preconceived notions. Well, whenever it says pneuma of, of life here, it's referring to soul. But when it says animals, it's not. I'm like, well, I mean, clearly there's some distinction, right? Like man set over the animal. Like, I don't feel like anything's in jeopardy by pointing out that fact. I think some people are like, oh, no, like we're all equals with the animal. No, nobody said that. That's not what's at stake here. But well, I, I think it is important. What did you say? Nothing, nothing. I said nothing. Don't take us down a rabbit hole, Mike. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I say that. I, I think plants and animals will certainly be a part of the new creation. God made this world originally and said, sure. it's good. He didn't say, this is okay for now. And then we'll get rid of it and go to the really good stuff, the spirit. No, because in Eden, they're perfectly integrated, right? Like th- this whole separation of the spiritual and the physical, I think ultimately is a stupid distinction. It's not a helpful distinction. It- it's helpful some in certain measures as a heuristic model, but it's not really ultimately how things are. It's a separation of things to understand it. It's kind of like, uh, Rosemary, you can help me with this. It's kind of like in science class, we talk about the different systems of the body but that's artificial. You're never going to find a skeletal system in nature. You're never going to find a nervous system. You're going to find a integrated human person, right? And I think it's the same for the soul. We, we separate them out so we can talk about those aspects, right? It's a teaching device, but ultimately they are not separate realities. They are overlapped, right? And I think that's the same for this new creation. I think that's what it was in Eden. I think that's what's coming. Is that lack of decay. And again, I can't, uh, I can't get over C.S. Lewis, right? In his brilliant space trilogy, I'm telling you, if you want to grow in your theology, read Paralandra by C.S. Lewis, the space trilogy. Excellent book. It's a, it's a fiction novel. It's excellent. But he says of these, this couple that's like the, the new Adam and Eve on, let's see, what planet is that? Venus or something? That basically Adam and Eve never took the first step. So what would it look like if they did? That's new creation. That's resurrection existence is actually taking the first step. Alex, what were you going to say? So is it new animals or is it our animals? Yeah, how do, you, how do you mean? Well, so will I see Ellie up there or is it going to be something new? Yeah, so that's where the debates come in, right? So do all good doggies go to heaven? Well, all dogs go to heaven, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to dare hurt anybody's expectation. Well, I think this goes back to what I've talked about as a static view of heaven and a dynamic view of heaven. We have tended to say, whenever we say all good doggies go to heaven, what we really mean is does their spirit disembody and float off into the clouds? And then that's their eternal resting place to which I would say, no, the real question I would ask is, or I would say, yeah, like there's some existence of, they have a breath of life. So there's some existence of them beyond. My question is, do animals get a resurrection too? Because it seems like all creation is resurrecting. Now, this is not near. So, like, look, nobody get upset about this. But 
Like this is not as clear cut as we getting resurrection bodies. We are assured by Paul. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to go there in a minute. 1 Corinthians 15. You will have a resurrection body. That's non-negotiable. The animals, totally negotiable. To me, it just seems like it's kind of implied by some text. But I, I don't see why we can't raise the possibility. Right? I, I'm not opposed to it, frankly. Because uh, I, I think a good creator intends that for all of his creation. And so maybe. Maybe, just maybe. I don't know. You know, the vision that, that John sees in Revelation 21, this thing is huge. I mean, massive. He's actually given dimensions for a tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. And it's, I mean, it's cosmic scale, which is the idea that we're no longer going to be limited for space. We're no longer going to be limited by decay. All the limitations are taken away. So, you know, you can, because the first question that raises in my mind, well, how are we going to house them all? It's a stupid question. <laughs> it's God. It's a, it'll be fine, right? But um, he'll take care of that. But uh, uh, I, I don't see why we can't hypothesize or even hope that that might be true. I think it's true. My wife thinks it's true. Andrea says it's true. Well, the ladies have spoken. Thus saith the ladies, right? Well, what else are we going to eat if we don't have that? <laughs> uh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, well, ooh, David, ooh. Whenever we look in Isaiah 65... Uh, it seems like they're vegetarian. Micah, my man, seems like they're vegetarian in the new creation. Seems like the animals aren't eating each other anymore, including humans eating animals. That's what it looks like in the fall. Yeah, it looks like there was no animal shed. Um, but I got to say, have you ever eaten like a perfect brisket? Now, that's a taste of heaven right there. So I just don't know. Maybe God just manifests it before us. I don't, I don't know. Yes, it will no in the, in the new creation. It will no longer be manna. It will be brisket, brisket, and so let's see. It was manna and quail. So now it's going to be brisket and. Listen, man, you don't want the quail. And what? You don't want the. Quail. What's the other thing? Remember that story? It doesn't end well. What? Mashed potatoes. Yeah, that's a yeah. Great mashed potatoes and gravy. Brisket and mashed potatoes and gravy is what we will have in the new creation. No, I can't. Oh, yeah, that's true. But this is new creation. Limitations are taken away. Limitations are taken away. Micah's like, this is going way off the rails. I'm not gonna listen, man. Whenever God feeds me in heaven, I'm not gonna complain. There you go. All right, I have a grateful spirit. There you go. Well, I have a grateful spirit, but I'm still gonna ask for brisket. So, because what is impossible with man is possible with God. Yeah, please. Yeah. So did y'all see the video this week that was out on the news? Anyway, it was a woman at like a zoo holding a baby, and she got close to the orangutan um, enclosure, and it was class there, but the mom orangutan kept motioning for her yeah. to bring her baby closer. Did y'all see that? Yeah, yeah. It was just like, oh, my God. So yeah. I'm like, how can we question that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not just learned behavior. I want to see your baby. Like, yeah, yeah. Can I hold your baby? Yeah. That's a very like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I have not seen that video, but I'm totally gonna look it up when I break it out. I thought when I was teaching first grade Sunday school, a little boy in there was he would not eat anything except beans or 
serious. He would only not bean eat burritos. Anything except beans. And he's we were talking about heaven and he said the best thing about heaven to me is that God's not gonna try to make me eat anything. Yeah. Love it. So actually, okay, so actually this raises an interesting point. It's a similar critique that I have that I have whenever I see like you go to the bookstore and you buy the, the Grill Master's Bible. You've seen something like this before? It, making an assumption about what the Bible is and is not. It assumes the Bible is fundamentally an instruction book on the how-to step-by-step. Have you read this thing? That is not what we have. <laughs> you can come up with some of that. But you have to do it yourself from what you read. It's not there that way. It's not step by step, one, two, three. That's not what we have. We have letters. We have stories. We have poems. We have songs. We have, we have ancient sex poetry. I mean, we have weird stuff in our Bible. You know what I'm saying? History. We have, uh, yeah, we have strange things. In our, we do not have a step by step, one, two, three. I think of more of it as an authority. Yeah. This is the, the grill master's authority. That's fair. That's fair. And, and, and I would agree with that aspect of it. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about it that way. But I, I, I tend to see it used for things like the, the sower's Bible. Or, you know, I've seen stuff like this, right? And it's, it's like it's saying that everything you need to know for. And I'm like, does the Bible tell us everything we need to know for salvation? Yes. Everything we need to know for everything else? Not necessarily, actually. You have to piece some things together. Actually. And so, uh, like this Bible standing for basic instructions before leaving earth. I'm like... Sort of, but it's not instructional. Some of it is. Proverbs is certainly instructional. My dear son, listen to me. I'm giving you a lecture. That's instructional. Is Paul's letters instructional? Are Paul's letters instructional? Sometimes. Some and some not. It's, it, it's also, I mean, how do you make an instruction out of, um, how do you make an instruction out of, oh, by the way, tell Rufus to tell his mom that I said hi. How do you make an instruction out of that? Well, we can teach from it because we think there's some principle underlying that. But it's not instruction. It's a greeting. Right? So we end up drawing instruction out. But that's an important distinction. Anyway, it's my same thing with heaven. We often talk about, well, in heaven, we're going to have everything we want. And we're going to have mansions of gold. And we're going to have, we're going to have, we're going to have, do whatever we want forever. It's just like this eternal, endless day off. And I'm like, that's not what I think it's really about actually like we hear the word rest and rest is certainly a, a word that's associated with heaven and scripture but we hear rest and we think uh oh day off like i get to watch all the tv i want i get to eat all the snacks i want and not gain pounds i get to and that's fine and good but i think it's more along the lines of not just not having to not eat be asked to eat things other than bean burritos right like that's an assumption he's gained from cult from church culture about what heaven is and isn't but I think maybe um, to think about it this way, what if heaven is where he'll discover flavors that haven't yet been found? All the limits have been taken off. Maybe that little boy just got off on the wrong foot and never took the first step when it comes to understanding culinary stuff. And maybe if that's something he's excited and passionate about, maybe that's something God made him to be excited and passionate about, that he'll then discover that for all creation, all eternity. Because, for example, have we yet discovered all there is to discover in this world? No. Do you think we'll ever plumb the depths of what we can discover in the world to come? No. 
all the more so. In some sense, this, this life is training for the next, when you think about it. So, for example, I'm a learner. I don't know if you knew this about me. I'm a learner and a reader. I love to do that. I think God made me to be that way. And I think for all eternity, I will learn and I will, by, by the year, five bajillion years that I've been in, in heaven, in eternity, I think I will have learned things that by today's standards, they had not even the faintest concept of. Does that make sense? And I, I think also, yeah, they didn't even, it didn't even occur to them. I, I think artists are going to create art that you can't fathom right now by the, the limitations and standards that we know now. I think that sewers are going to sew things that would blow your stinking minds, people. You know what I'm saying? I think, it's, I think it's not just eternally taking our hands off the wheel. I think it's time that we put our, I think eternity is when we put our hands on the wheel to actually begin. We take the first step. We actually start to be all those things. Because now we're kind of training, right? And we're getting it. And it's good. And it's beautiful. But the musicians, oh, they're going to play music you couldn't imagine in a new creation. Because all the limits are going to be removed. I think that's what it is. Not necessarily the, the just a, a eternal pleasure of the day off. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just thought that was an important point to make there. Um, creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's an interesting phrase. Set free from its bondage to decay. Okay, we got that. But then what it gets in change is obtain the freedom the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What's the glory of the children of God? You often hear things like, um, you know, the spirit manifests in the glory cloud, right? Like God's greatness and God are intri- intri- intricately connected to one another. Yeah, I think, I think our glory is God himself in some extent. Um, and so I think maybe, just maybe, obtain the glory of the children of God, and God will fill all things. His spirit will be fully alive and fully active, all things. So here's a question. Does anything in creation disobey the will of God at present? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you lived a day of existence at all? Yeah. Things totally disobey the will of God in this universe. Can you imagine what a life would be like if every single atom perfectly moved and lived under the will of God? Never strayed outside of that will. I don't think we can imagine it. I don't think we can imagine it. But they have the freedom of the glory of God. The Spirit animates every last atom of this creation. Imagine it. You can't. We can't. It's, it's, it's beyond our concept. But I think that's what we're looking forward to. Imagine... So um, I've discovered about myself, uh, and this is a whole other, I said no rabbit holes, but here I go. Uh, I am a highly sensitive person, HSP. It's actually a, it's a burgeoning field of research, actually. It's people whose uh, nervous system is biologically predisposed to ramp up quicker than most people's, which can cause problems, but can also be good because I tend to be more sensitive to things like art and music and poetry tend to be more open to that kind of thing. It's, it's a good, it's a beautiful thing. I'm highly sensitive. But that means also I have a higher predisposition to the environment that I'm in. So if I'm in a negative environment, I suck it in even more so than others. Right? I just know that about myself now. 
And so it's good to know because if I find a really unhealthy environment or a really unhealthy group of friends, I need to not hang out with them because I'm going to – whatever negative effects can be had from hanging out with that group of friends, that is me times 10. I'll soak it in because I'm highly sensitive. I'm more sensitive to that kind of thing. Imagine – so for me, I think about this. Imagine being in the perfectly healthy environment. perfectly healthy, perfectly good and beautiful environment. Imagine how much growth and freedom you could experience operating in that kind of environment. You know what it's like to be in a good environment, to be in your home, in your element. Uh, It's like traveling. You come home and then, ah, my bed, my pillow, my water, my everything. You know, my shower, my dresser. You know what it's like to be in the right environment. Yeah. Your dog, yes. Your dog, not somebody else's dog. Absolutely. Or no dogs. Woo! Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know what it's like to be predisposed to your environment to grow. Imagine that times infinity. Imagine the perfect... There is no hindrance. There's nothing that sets you back. That's interesting. Our concepts, right? Like, I can see the gears turning. We're at Tim. This is where, when it comes to the next world... Every time we see something that's beyond us, the prophets always go, well, it's like this. It's also, they sound like teenagers. It's like this, but it's also kind of like that. Like, you know, like it's like, well, it's like, you know, like, no, I don't know. I'm attempting to know, <laughs> but it's hard to put your finger on. You just can't quite describe it. Any more comments about Romans 8 before I move to 1 Corinthians? Actually, we're going to go to Isaiah. We'll end with 1 Corinthians. Any questions before we move to Isaiah? Going once, going twice. Sold. Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. Oh, man. If there's one book of the Old Testament that we need to appreciate to understand the New Testament, it's Isaiah. Uh, The early Christians called it the fifth gospel. Because if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's one book that they refer to more than any other. Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah. I don't want to create a canon within the canon. I don't want to emphasize one book too much so that we ignore the others. But if you're going to do it, do it with Isaiah. Because Isaiah is a great book. It's, a, it's so foundational to our faith. Isaiah 65. So, uh, let's see. I kind of thought I wanted to read the whole chapter, but now I'm doubting why I wanted to read the whole chapter. I don't want to read. No, I'm not going to. You are bad peer pressure, Alex. All right, no, let's start in verse 17. And my Bible has those wonderful headings, the glorious new creation over verse 17. So we'll start there. This is Yahweh talking to Israel through the prophet Isaiah. It's always an interesting dynamic in the prophets. It's always Isaiah talking for Yahweh. He's the mouthpiece of Yahweh. Verse 17, for I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth. Notice the plural there. New heavens and new earth. In John, it's new heaven, new earth. In first, Second Peter 3, it's new heavens, new earth, just like here. The heavens is plural there. Uh, just a side note as to why that is. Um, in Hebrew, you plural things that are really complex. Because they're so complex that the singular doesn't quite capture it. In Hebrew grammar, we call it a plural of complexity. And so the heavens, you look up at the heavens and you think of the heavens because it's this, but there's also something beyond what we see where God is. And so it's, it's plural. Right. 
It's like the seas. It's like the seas. The seas are always, almost always plural in right. scripture. In fact, uh, the name God, not God's name Yahweh. Yahweh is singular. But the word God is actually, in Hebrew, plural. Elohim. It's plural. But it's not. You, there are times when it's referring to gods and they're translated as such. But most of the time, it's, tra- it's referring to Yahweh. And it'll say Yahweh Elohim. Which strictly would be Yahweh God's. But it's not. It's a plural of complexity because Yahweh, of all people, is so beyond our concepts that he's a plural of complexity. God. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? That's a weird way of thinking about it, but that's how they thought about it. So just a note on that. New heavens. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. There's, it's a seed of that for sure. A hint. Yeah, Rhonda. So they're not talking about more than one heaven. It's just complex. Okay. So yes and no. Oh. So Paul makes mention of this, right? So Paul makes mention of, I would know somebody who was caught up into the, what does he say? Seventh or third heaven? Um, seventh heaven, I think, is something we talk about now. I think that's more of an American culture thing. I don't know if that dates back to the Hebrews or not. Do you know? It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. Micah says it doesn't. So it doesn't. Paul says, I know somebody who was caught up into the third heavens, and we think he's talking about himself. He says, I know somebody, but I think he's doing that old preacher's trick where you don't want to self-glorify too much. So you say, well, I have this friend who, really, you're talking about yourself. And um, there he seems to be referring to what we think of as heaven. Whereas a second heaven would be like, I guess, what we think of as outer space. First heavens would be like the birds. Does that make sense? So they do have distinctions like that, heavens. But that tends to come after the Old Testament. So you don't necessarily see that. If you were good, you'd go to the first heaven. If you were really good, you'd go to the... Correct. It does not seem to be that. Right, right, right. Yeah, this is not like the inverse of Dante's Inferno with the seven circles of hell. How bad you are, you go further down. Yeah, it's not like the inverse. How good you are, you go. Yeah, yeah, no. I do not think that is there. Yeah, he does say, I know somebody who was caught up into the third heavens. What he really means is I know somebody who was caught up to where God is. Yeah. Which is, this is, again, a dynamic view of heaven, right? Uh, That book that I keep referring to that you should totally read and we should do a Church of Christ book club on. The Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. I cannot recommend... I haven't read the third one because it was kind of boring. But the first two are excellent. The second one is tremendous. But um, in America, it was called labeled as the Space Trilogy. But you remember C.S. Lewis is not from America. He's from the uh, Europe, from Britain. Thank you. <laughs> I have a master's degree. <laughs> He's from Britain. And uh, he, he originally wanted it to be called the Heavens Trilogy. And in fact, there's a scene in the first book where this main character is in a spaceship and he's viewing heavens. And he looks out and he says, how could we ever call this space as if it's empty? He says, this is not empty. This is fuller than, than where I've been. This is, he said, this is truly what the ancients used to say, get right when they called it the heavens. And so there is some, and so in our scientific mind, we often want to say, well, you know, we know God's not really up there if you just keep going straight. And I'm like, well, yes and no. Right? Like, let's, let's put, that's a, that's a static view of heaven. That's a dichotomy. Uh, again, the, the, these whole strict dichotomies between the physical and the metaphysical are, I think, dumb distinctions. Right? So, to answer your question, uh, no, I don't think there are layers in that sense. But I do think there are heavens in the sense of, it's, it's complex. It's beyond us, right? It's plural. Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. Ah, man, I got to stop with the rabbit holes. Okay. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. We always talk about new creation. We forget that extends to outer space too. 
what would that look like? Who knows? I wish Oren was here. He's a space nerd. So, uh, The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So that's where a lot of people say that this is a replacement creation, not a renewal creation. The former things will not come to mind. Could be, uh, this is, you know, prophetic visions are always um, poetic. Potentially it could be hyperbolic to some extent. Oh, you're going to live in this creation so much so that you won't even be able to remember the last one. Or I, I tend to view it as it is a renewal, but by the time you've lived there for very long at all, the old limitations will just be forgotten. You won't think about them much. Could you think of them if you wanted to? Sure. But you won't want to. It won't really matter. That kind of thing. Uh, verse 18, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. Remember in Revelation, you get the vision of the new creation. Then the vision of the heavenly Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It's a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days. Something that we know of even today, but something that was extremely common in the ancient world. An infant that either is born, dies at childbirth or only lives a few days and doesn't make it. We know how volatile that is now. Just imagine without some of the technology we have. Or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. We all know people whose lives were cut short. You ever known somebody for whom you said they had so much left to do? That's where I say, yeah, it's good that they go to heaven when they die, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. That person still had a lot left to do. You know what I'm saying? I've known people like that. Uh, let's see. For one who dies at 100 years will be considered a youth. And one who falls short of 100 will be considered accursed. Inconceivable. It, do you see the parallelism there between the first two lines and then the second two lines? In other words, someone who lives less than 100 will be like the baby that dies after only living a few days. Did you catch that parallelism there? It's trying to, it's trying to stretch and bend our imagination for what comes in this new creation. 100 years, it's like a day. Doesn't Peter also say for a thousand years are like a day and a day is like a thousand years in the eyes of the Lord from that eternal perspective? To live a hundred years back then was pretty, pretty oh, significant. It's pretty tremendous today. It, it was is, it is, yeah. sweet back then. Forty was a great lifespan back then. Right. So to a hundred to them is yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It's like living a few days yeah. or, or, or in the new creation. To them, it's like living what we might think of as if I lived to be we know people who've lived to be 100. Right. Everybody in this room knows somebody who's lived to be 100 before? Yeah. Or at least know of somebody? Yeah. It doesn't blow your concept, right? right? But they would probably have not have known anybody. You could probably raise your hand in the room and maybe one person raises their hand and that would be like, whoa, oh, Guinness Book of World Records over here. Let's pull him up for Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. Versus now it's like, oh yeah, I've known people who live that way. Yeah. Um, and even then, we know people who live to be 100, but often the people that I've met that live past 100 are usually, they're like, I'm ready to die. <laughs> have you met somebody like this? I have. And it's because they're like, you know, I've, I've lived a long time. This, it's, time to, it's time to finish the race. But can you imagine not at all having that feeling, but feeling more like a baby eager to, to get hurt? going yeah. after 100? The eyes of eternity. Uh, verse 21, they shall build houses and inhabit them. I thought we were disembodied floating around. <laughs> the houses are floating too. Um, I've known people who built their forever home and lived in it 
and then had to leave it. You just did that, actually. I wasn't referring to you, I swear. I swear I was not referring to you. Uh, I was actually referring to this, this lovely gentleman in South Carolina. He and his wife built their dream home on this beautiful piece of property. And then her dementia took a really, really bad turn. Was it dementia? No, no. She had um, cancer? She had something terrible. He had Parkinson's. He had Parkinson's. She had cancer. She died. His Parkinson's developed so bad that he couldn't take care of the property by himself. It was too far out in the woods for his kids to come and visit him all the time. And he was a reasonable person, and so he said, you know what? We're going to sell the property. He had to sell the property. He, they built it themselves. They built, he, when I say they built it themselves, I mean he put him, him and his son put the nails in that thing. Floor to ceiling. Beautiful piece of property. He still has the pictures, and every time I went over, guess what? We pull out the picture book and we look. Can you imagine, though, the beauty of building your home? just right i'm not talking even in people's dream homes i still find them saying well i put up with this because i was tired by the time we got to this closet and this closet is a tragedy of architecture but you know it's it, it is what it is and the rest of the home's beautiful so it's fine. can you imagine everything being just as it ought to be to function for you perfectly and then getting to inhabit that forever and ever and ever cool. that's closer to heaven than not having to eat bean burritos or having to eat things other than bean burritos mm-hmm. Uh, they will build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Sounds like they're still working. Can you imagine working but not getting tired? Running and not growing weary? Mounting up on wings like eagles? Sounds like this other verse in Isaiah. You should, you know, read Isaiah. Uh, can you imagine? No, we can't. But we can imagine imagining. <laughs> they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. They'll not build their dream home and then sell it off to somebody else. Or get conquered. Or get conquered. They're also not going to be. Um, they're also not going to be ousted by younger people at their job. Or the tax man. Or the tax man. <laughs> or the tax man. <laughs> For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Question: They'll enjoy the work of their hands. Can you imagine? You ever built something yourself and then felt the satisfaction of that? You ever done something really hard, but then looked af- afterwards and said, yes. You know that satisfaction you feel, those endorphins that are running in your brain? Imagine being able to do that for all eternity with no limitations. Um, There's things that I enjoyed when I was younger that I looked to pay somebody to do more. <laughs> <laughs> like my lawn. I used yeah. to really enjoy yeah. mowing and yeah. eating and stuff. And then I got to a point where I was like, I don't like this anymore. This is pointless. It's too hot. I could pay 50 bucks a month and yeah, let somebody else do it. Yeah, or I don't know how much yeah. that is. But yeah, 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 yeah. I still do do it. But, and when I do it, I enjoy it, but I don't, I'm tired yes. faster. Yes, yes. Like, Can you imagine you're not rushed for time? Right. And if that's something you enjoy, yeah. I imagine, uh, so we call it cutting the grass. But to me, the pleasure you seem to take in doing the lawn potentially sounds to me more like you're, I would say, uh, you're curating God's earth. Yeah. You're tending his garden. It's a creation. We don't think of it that way, but mowing the yard is tending the garden. Uh, you know those people that like, I've never actually seen that. I've only seen this on TV, but like they have those fancy looking shrubs that are shaped like things and they yeah. sit there and they gently yeah. clip one edge. You know, I, I imagine David could go over every single stinking piece of grass if that were in his heart to do. But imagine how beautiful it would look then. Yeah. Yeah. Right? To me, that's that's tending the garden because this well, whole I earth mean, is a garden, the joy by the way. The was after you were done stepping back yes. and saying, look, all the grass is, is 
Equally flat. Yes. Oh, that's because what nothing drives me more insane than having this one patch that's like yeah. slightly taller, and I can see it. I know other people don't see it, but I see it. And that's what, yes. Uh, I, I want to talk about this. I have just a minute left, but um, verse twenty-three: They shall not labor in vain, or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by Yahweh and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Oh, I got ahead of myself. That verse 23, they'll labor and bear children. I thought we were disembodied spirits. Don't you need a body to birth a baby? I thought also there was no marriage in the new creation. I do not think that, by the way. We can talk about that verse that everybody wants to go to where Jesus says they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. We can talk about that. Yeah, we need to. Okay, we'll bring up that next week because I have an opinion on that. Linda and I have talked about this. I have an excellent blog post on the internet that I can point you to where some brilliant person... I don't know who he is, wrote about this, but uh, because I, I think we have categorically misunderstood what's going on in that verse and made it do something it's not doing, right? Uh, and I, I get pushed back on that one especially a lot. But I, hey, at the very least, you have, you have the, the vision of something else. He just, he's talking about new creation, isn't he? And he's talking about they will bear children. And they're not going to die. In the new creation, apparently. I doubt you could in the intermediate heaven, which was what I think we would go to after we die. I don't think you'd be able to because you're a disembodied spirit at that point. But if you have a resurrection body, why not? Maybe the pains of labor are gone. Right? Remember, that was a curse from the fall. So if we're reversing the fall, maybe that goes too. Yeah, I, I think we, I mean, what we, because we don't understand the pleasure and yes. things. It's a, it's a chemical reaction in our brain to some extent. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's something beyond that. It's more than that, but... It, it, yeah. it, 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 I think it is more than that. Yeah. But it's not less than that. It's the dopamine. I mean, that's why people take drugs is because it kind of yep. emulates yep. that, right? You yep. Know? And I think all these descriptions are trying to describe something that's so beyond our... Yes. Uh, it, they're like, it's like being joyful because sure. you're married or sure. like joyful but you know that's fair so i i, I kind of like fair. you know think of i think of john trying to i mean he's seen all this stuff yeah and he's like oh john's not isaiah's uh, well but i mean i know what you're talking about you know yeah. john's trying to describe describe things that are yes. not of that we can even yes you know, and he's having to rely on yes what we do know now and describe things that we can't even Yes, I agree to that. But that doesn't mean there's not at all. I I think sometimes we then, I agree. But I think we often make make the assumption that because it's only like this, it's then not at all like this. Right. But it's like this because it's like that. It's It's more than that, but it's not less than that. Right, it's the closest we could say it is to what we do. I agree. And uh, I mean, I like like the exercise of of imagining. It's saying it's going to be good beyond our... Yes. And, you know, do I think there's actually pearly gates and golden, you know, all those descriptors, uh, uh, you know, gates of streets of gold and all these things. I think it's just trying to say you can't even imagine how good this is going to be. Yes. (laughs) It'll it'll blow your stinking mind. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, But, yeah, exactly what is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's of God, right? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah, that's the, that's the bottom line. It will be good and not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. 
Well, uh, and, you know the yes, sir. the movie The Matrix where every, they find out that they're actually yeah. in a program that yeah you know, love The Matrix sci-fi nerd. There's a lot of really high-end physicists that uh, adopt that, that that we're just like computer programs and computer yeah programs. yeah and I don't think that but not a but computer it, program but is this world to some extent yeah. Only so imitation. It, it does. I'm gonna yeah, yank you right I agree. back. I agree. I agree. Full way I, back. This uh, world I agree. Yep. 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 I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, but the idea of there being a plan or a program. Yes. A plan that was ideal. Yes. And it got misused and yes. redirected. But at some point, we're gonna reboot, and it's going back to the perfect plan. That's just a modern retelling it's just of our a story. Way of, a way of picturing it. I don't think it's. Yeah. It's like an analogy that yeah. you, know, you can only take so far. You can only take so far. Absolutely. Uh, but it, I think there's something to be said for that as far sure. as we're rebooting. <laughs> rebooting, yeah. The the new creation's coming. It's under we're under reboot, actually. And the, and the flood was kind of that way too. Sure. Oh, that's certainly what the flood was. We'll talk about that. It was a restart. Yes. Yes. It was okay. Soft reboot. This is a hard reboot. Yes, yes. Uh, so we made some progress, I think. Uh, we'll continue. I have more I want to say about Isaiah, so we'll, we'll finish there. We can talk about the passage where Jesus says they'll neither marry nor be given in marriage, and I'll give you my thoughts on it. But uh, anyway, let me pray. We'll be done. We've got to get ready for church. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We have no clue, honestly, what the new creation will look like, but we know we want to be there. And we know that we are starting to be trained to be the kinds of people who could inhabit that space well. And so we just pray that on our training course that you would keep training us, uh, that you would stretch our muscles physically and spiritually and everything in between so that we could be the kind of people who can inhabit that new creation. Well, make us new creations. We don't want to wait to die to live. We want to start living now to help us to start living now to start training for that new creation. We love you. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I just got, uh,